Uh, either way, they're they're not gonna yeah they're not gonna win more than seven games. That's for sure. Okay. No. Sean's Sean's putting it down there. They're definitely not winning more than seven games. Uh... <laughs> so hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. The FC South... So hey, we got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's all down in Cork? Uh, grand. The weather changed dramatically there literally today. Uh, it's been pissing rain all day. Um, but uh, yeah, getting ready for the big move to uh, Waterford. My, my wife has moving jobs, so I will be trailing spouse. Um, so currently throwing things out and um, trying to plan... Something, some way of getting there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's uh, a lot of activity in the in the in the household at the moment. But the builder's still here as well, so yes, it is. It's a bit a bit chaotic at the moment. Yeah, nothing too much for myself. Uh, very busy at work. We're kind of pushing towards uh, getting the release out soon, next month or so. So a lot of pressure on that. Uh, to catch the new Flash film, it's weird and strange, but. Eh, kind of fun. Like I wouldn't say I've it's heard the it's worst. Terrible. The internet like it, it is, terrible. but like kind of in like a weird kind of slappy stick kind of way, where it's kind of like, oh, that's interesting to look at at least. Certainly more so than like, what was it like, Batman versus Superman? That was like actually just unwatchable. Oh, I felt like. Mm. like it bring it, it it brings back the best Batman though, right? Yes, he is. Yes, but it also uh, kind of negates the point of the Birdman movie if he ends up coming back as Batman. But he also fin- he did he he did the Birdman movie and then he came back as the Vulture in the Spider-Man film like a year afterwards yeah. as well. The man likes making money, Sean. I'm sorry, and you know he technically you know he wasn't playing himself in that film, was he? I don't no, know. but I think I think he was playing. I think they knew it when they cast disguise, him, like. Yeah. But it wasn't like a like I am playing a version of myself like the what was that Rob Van Dam was that the Van Dam film J R J J V D yeah J V D yeah yeah oh J C V D yeah J C V D where he's playing a version of himself so yeah I not, the man is making a lot of money probably so I don't blame. yeah I think he's having a bit yeah. of fun yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, no nothing too wild or, or crazy up here now I've got a new laptop so. Uh, we'll have to see whether or not it's going to be as good at the editing or whether the new versions of the software that we use are going to be a bit all over the shop. But uh, other than that, I had a, a week off from work. I've planted a herb garden, which means I'm getting very, very middle-aged. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's been good. Nice relaxing. Do you, do you have a sun hat yet? I don't, <laughs> but you know what? I was looking at them in the shop the last day. The problem was they all looked a little bit too much like a Ibiza bucket hats, and I was like, oh, I don't want one of those. A nice big sun hat would do the job nicely. Although, yeah, Sean said the weather has just very quickly turned here. It was roasting when I was in work all day. I was fine on the walk to the train, and I got off the train, and I had to just get completely changed because I was just drenched all the way through. Um, so torrential rain here in Dublin at the moment. Uh, to be fair, we kind of needed it. It's been a normally dry for about two or three weeks. But yeah, uh, so it's the grime away. Yeah, well, this is the thing for for those who who don't visit Dublin very often. Uh, we don't actually really do much in the way of street cleaning. 
it rained so much that they basically decided the the the, the local government decided that actually the rain will do that which means if it doesn't rain for a week the ground gets a bit sticky because they don't have people out cleaning it uh so it, it, it is quite badly needed at this stage but uh it's a great spot please come and visit we need your tourist money um yeah let's move on to the news so crime and punishment what are they doing possibly felonies uh new england defensive back jack jones has been arrested on a concealed gun possession charge in boston's logan international airport um yeah this comes i believe like 20 odd days after he sent out a tweet complaining about like idiots running around with guns and not doing their jobs properly and then this happens so uh not the smartest of moves uh sean this is your team i suppose i'll let you have a chat about it it's not the worst gun related incident with uh with the uh, new england players but uh the most certainly the most recent look yeah i mean idiotic doesn't even begin to describe the uh the situation, I mean, concealed, possession of concealed weapon in a secure area of the airport, possession of ammunition without an, an ID card, unlawful possession of firearm, carrying a loaded firearm. I mean, he it, it potentially something like 30 years in prison is like the max of all of these things. Yeah, ends it's up a being bit, guilty bit mad. Like. These things. Um, it's, yeah, unbelievably stupid. Uh, and, I mean, from a Pat's personnel point of view, he was... Yeah, he was, you know, kind of, he was a rookie. He took a little while to bed in. He ended up, I think, he was, wasn't was a starter, but he was, he had an, an, a good bit of snaps. I think he had an interception of Aaron Rodgers was the was the big moment from last year. So his career was, you know, going somewhere. And certainly with the Pats to be on a you know, that defensive team with Balachik as your coach, I mean, you can't ask for much more. To do something this incredibly stupid that probably has destroyed his career um is i just yeah it, it boggles the mind sometimes how people can be this stupid to be honest with you yeah um, like, and i think he has a past past stories of he of robbed a panda well, express so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh not an endangered species <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i don't know it's it's yeah it's just really stupid and i imagine the nfl was this the end of him as, as an nfl player i know he's fine he didn't bet on it so he's fine <laughs> Yeah, so like it, it probably means that Marcus Jones, they have a lot of Jones in the, the New England defensive backfield, will be getting more snaps um, to go with Jonathan Jones. So Jack Jones is the least useful Jones now and almost certainly will be cut and will probably certainly say suspension even if he somehow manages to avoid jail time. Mm. That used to be quite a popular chain of stores for men's clothing, wasn't it, Jack Jones? I think it was Jack and Jones. But Jack, Jack and Jones. Thing, it was actually Jack and Jones, but nobody could... The, the logo was designed in such a way you didn't actually see the end. Ah, fair enough. Well, it's like the Eason Eason thing, right? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, things th- things that no one outside of Ireland who are listening to this give a shit about, I suppose. <laughs> Notable transactions: Minnesota have released running back Dalvin Cook. Um, Cook has uh, it's caused quite a bit of. Um, negative feedback from around the league and talking heads. Uh, Cook has been quite a successful running back, although some would contend he's maybe lost a bit of a step of late. Um, he's quite young. I believe he's 27, 28 years old. Um, it's been over a thousand yards for the last four or five seasons. Like this is this is a pure cap thing. Minnesota are accepting the end of the current era and taking pain because like you know that's why they're i think they're paying like 50 million dollars to kirk cousins this year to have not extended him um they're cleaning the books a little bit this seems a bit of a 
silly early move, but I suppose they're saving some money against Cap for it. Uh, someone is going to pick him up and probably get a decent player. The thing that's going to be interesting is what he can actually get on the open market because there's quite a number of running backs out there still uh, knocking around as free agents that uh, no one's paying them yet. And it could be, you know, the old don't want to bother with training camp. You know, running back is a bit more of a plug-and-play position that uh, that he just reckons. Why would he put himself through, you know, mini camps when he doesn't have to? Uh, but I would I would be intrigued to see. I think he's going to go somewhere for cheaper than you would expect. Yeah, like I, I think what will probably happen is that if someone comes in with a good offer, like you know, maybe probably not ten million, but like that kind of just below ten million mark, then he'll probably go there. But if that's not looking to happen, and I don't think it's likely to happen he'll probably go to somewhere where he thinks he can at least be on a contender and put up good yards. So a team like Miami might make sense for that, for example. Bit of a um, busy backfield, though, already, isn't there? Yeah, but like he would be definitively better probably than the other ones, and he's used to that type of system. He's obviously coming from the kind of Shanahan-type system, which mm. is so widely used for running at the moment. Like I think for the, the Vikings, I think they're in a, a proto-rebuild. Obviously, Kevin O'Connell has banked a lot of goodwill from the you know season they had last year where the, you know, the actual season went well. Uh, just don't talk about the, the, the don't talk about the postseason. Um, and they've been kind of jettisoning a lot of these um, veterans from the previous regime. So Adam Thielen's gone, and Zadarius Smith is gone, and Eric Kendricks is gone. So you know, I think they're making the choice to move forward. And Dalvin Cook just wasn't part of their future plans, so they decided to kind of you know bite the bullet and move on. And yes, their cap situation isn't one of the better in the league because they have Kirk Cousins and there's already talk that they're not going to even talk to Kirk Cousins until next offseason um, when he's becoming a free agent. So I think Kevin O'Connell, he got, I don't want to say he got lucky in the first year, but he got a good situation in year one and it sounds like he wants to build his team in his own image and is willing to, you know, take the pain now while, you know, the vibes are good. Yeah. Uh, Houston, who we will be talking about later on today, have uh, extended defensive tackle Malik Collins, two years, 23 million. Um, we'll probably get a bit into that uh, then. And the other one would be Tampa Bay sign kicker Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, so as Sean's uh, fantasy football, would I'd say all aboard the Blankenship, he's back in. I'm sure you're very happy, Sean. Oh, yeah. Thrilled, thrilled. I mean, it's a victory for the little guy, you know. He's, he's like he's like the NFL's everyman. Yeah. He, <laughs> he shows us all that any, anybody could be an NFL player if they uh, try hard enough. Uh, yeah, no, I, it, it looked like after the Arizona thing kind of petered out a bit um, and he had some sort of injury issues, it looked like it could have been the end. So it's nice to see him back. Um, I don't know what the Bucks kicking situation is. I don't know if he's competing with anybody, but... Uh, this is bad. So I just realized, like you know, it's it's just because he he he's with those guys that he seems so small. Cause he's six one apparently. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, so the bo- uh, <laughs> I thought he was much smaller than that. He is only one hundred and eighty pounds, though, so he's skinny. Yeah, like the the, yeah, the he books does come cut- across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just come across as as a bit of a a, a weedy type. So yeah, that mm. makes sense. So the books they they cut Matt Gay earlier in the off season because obviously they're going into rebuild mode. Uh, to some extent, so I think he's gonna. They have Chase McLaughlin, who's very much in the kind of same similar kind of, you know, decent but not great tier. Um, but yeah, look, like, uh, like Millie Collins to say, obviously a solid player, um, well worth signing up for for that price. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, I'm not saying Sean's not over the Rico Blankenship thing, but I'm just saying like his prediction for the Colts is pretty much significantly more negative than ours. Uh, just to be a little bit of a spoiler there, so you know, obviously strong feelings here on the the Blankenship. Yeah, yeah, of course. And the only other news is the supplemental draft is back. Ready, boys? Ready to do a deep dive on all of the uh, all the players? Uh, there's one. 
He's a wide receiver, Milton Wright from Purdue, who's eligible for it. So that's back on July 11th. For those who don't know about the supplemental draft, uh, basically it's players that were, was it ineligible for the draft or declared late or something along those lines. But basically the it goes in a round and teams bid what type of pick they will give up for the player and the one who offers the highest pick gets him. Yeah, so it's usually guys who maybe are coming from slightly out of field things. I think like Army, Navy in the past would have had similar issues. It's guys who failed, in this case, for example, Milton. Um, he failed on academic stuff, so never really graduated. He basically wasn't allowed to play last year, so now it's yes. kind of going through. So they haven't, they, haven't, they, they haven't played sufficient time for their eligibility or something along those lines. Yeah, it? so... Yeah. It's always a little bit weird, or sometimes they're suspended, or yeah. But like, look, like this guy would have probably been like a late round type pick guy, so probably it's likely to go by without any picks. But they brought it back because yeah. some someone was at least available. So will I will, will I run through a couple of like the more famous supplemental draft picks, uh, well, just so people yeah, get a feel of them. Uh, here's a name that I had thought of: Terrell Pryor quarterback slash wide receiver for the Oakland Raiders. They bought it for a third round pick. Uh, Josh Gordon, probably the most well-known, would be my guess, of like the current or more recent crop of players. Uh, Brian's got him for a second-round pick. Uh, Bernie Kozar and Chris Carter would be kind of two other big names if they'd be a little bit older uh, school for those who watched maybe in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, but yeah, so it's it's not normally the most exciting of uh, of events, and particularly not whenever there's only one player in there. Uh, and our, like, I think the guess on this one would be, like you said, Ronan, that He's just going to go undrafted and then sign with the team, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, no, I want a three-hour ESPN special where the teams <laughs> bid and there's, yeah, there's like celebrity guests who announce the various bids. Mm. and mm. Like an auction, auction league or something. Yeah. Exciting oh, times. The NFL could definitely turn this into a, a like, major event. Just to give the, the, like the, this guy was, didn't do much in his first couple of years to get around 700, 800 yards in a breakout year behind David Bell in Purdue. David Bell's obviously now wide receiver at Cleveland Browns and was thought to hopefully be going on to better things in his final year of eligibility, but uh, basically was bad at school and wasn't academically eligible to play last year. And so basically that's why he's in the supplemental draft. To be, to be academically ineligible that that takes some doing for college football well you just have to not show up like it's not actually that hard probably i'm not sure that's probably more likely than he's actually just mm. an idiot um well i, not, you know, I, academic, I would, you know, I would sometimes don't. expect as well that maybe there's a bit more leeway given or more support structures put in place for the higher end players as well and, well uh, you know and, and they probably make certain choices uh for for uh, certain courses communications comes to mind <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, Tibor learned nothing. <laughs> um, excellent. Uh, well, on that, Bobson, I suppose we'll move on to our next of our previews, the AFC South. So first up, we'll go to the Colts. Uh, I'll come to you, Ronan, on this. I'll just do kind of the ins and outs and bits and pieces. So they've added head coach Stane Steichen, offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter, uh, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, and Gardner Minshew to uh, round out that quarterback battle. On the offensive side, Josh Downs, Isaiah McKenzie, Brashad Perryman, Jawan Winfrey, Evan Hull, Farrell Brown, Break Freeland. On the defensive side, Samson Ibuquam, uh, Tevin Bryan, uh, Julius, Brent, Darius, Rush, and 
Otanube Adeware, feck off you. Um, on the outside, they lost Frank Wright, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, uh, Paris Campbell, Matt Pryor, Dennis Kelly, Darrington Evans, Yannick Ngokwe, Brian Coward, uh, Bobby Okiri uh, Key, uh, Stefan Gilmore, Brandon Felsian, and Rodney McLeod. So obviously, you know, Fitz, you did actually, I think, pick their quarterback in the draft selection correctly. Uh, I was not expecting them to go in the Richardson direction because, you know, he is a he is a very exciting prospect, but a prospect that's known to be a bit raw. And I didn't think that was what the Colts would do, given their history of quarterbacks. But do you reckon, you know, new head coach? New quarterback, possibly, and realistically, with Gardner Minshew there, you're, we're probably going to see him at some point this year, even if he doesn't win it before week one. Do you think Richardson can make an immediate impact, uh, or is this kind of a, uh, you know, kind of iron out the creases this year, and then we'll get a look at this new team next year kind of job? Yeah, like I think it, it is a mulligan year. I don't think it necessarily will have to be in the sense of like, you know, they crater and it's fine because we have the quarterback and we just have to deal with it. Um, I think they could have higher expectations than that. But certainly I think for, for Steichen and Richardson, this is very much like we're willing to invest at least a couple of years, if not more, to see where this goes. I think when they picked Richardson, they obviously knew they were picking a guy who had only like one year of experience at the college level, a guy with very uh, raw uh, passing stats, like he, you know, his accuracy wasn't great in terms of the metrics. Um, but they took a guy who obviously has basically some of the highest upside in the league, the kind of upside where, you know, if everything fell right, he could be someone who could fall into that. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, physical freak, you know, can do anything um, type category. So I think for me, the big thing is that the Colts just stopped the stopped the purgatory, stopped the pain, like just this, you know, ever since Andrew Luck retired, just like cycling through veterans and just hoping things would work out. And, you know, I think Frank Reich was a little bit unlucky with this team because he was stuck with that quarterback situation. But, you know, the, the lance has now been boiled. They're moving on to the next stage. And, you know, it's a team where there's still enough holdovers from the previous regime who have been talented, maybe not last year, but certainly in years prior to that, that they don't like they don't necessarily are going to turn into a team that's going to suck immediately um like some of the kind of rebuilds that we've seen like they have an offensive line which majorly underperformed last year but which still has guys that we would expect that if they can get back to you know uh, some semblance of their form will get back to being at least you know above average type players guys like Braden Smith guys like Quentin Nelson as Quentin Nelson obviously has you know all pro um uh, type t- like tape in previous years types like guys like Brett Brian Kelly like it's not perfect because you're going to have like Will Fries or Emil Kigelor at like a right guard or something like that but it's fine, and you have skill players who can help out a young rookie. Um, he doesn't have to just like run and like circle things around like you saw with Justin Fields last year. You have Jonathan Taylor, who should be one year healthier. He got the C- surgery early in the off season. Like if Jonathan Taylor gets back to what he was two years ago, then you have like an all-pro type running back there to take the load off him. And obviously, with Richardson being a dual threat, dynamic quarterback, then that should open up the run game in general. Since you know it'll even up the numbers in the box. Michael Pittman, I wouldn't say he's like the best wide receiver one in the league but I think he's a, a pretty good wide receiver one like you know that kind of I think he's like definitely one of the top 
like 20 or so wide receivers in the league and is a guy who has a big wingspan so can definitely catch difficult uh, balls if Richardson's accuracy is a little bit off early on. And Richardson is a guy in his tape who wanted to play from the pocket. So he's not a guy who's just going to like immediately abandon things and like forget all the stuff that Steichen wants to do. But we saw that Steichen wit obviously coming from Pittsburgh, sorry, coming from Philadelphia where, where he had a mobile quarterback yeah, when Jalen Hurts, he was able to mold an offense around him and get him up into a situation where he will look like one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year. So there's lots of reasons on the offense to believe that it won't be a complete transition. Yeah. Nobody's doing, but like obviously because Richardson's so raw, uh, you have Minshew there maybe in a backup situation. I think maybe it's probably better, like, you know, it's probably better if you start with Minshew and move to Richardson than vice versa. But you know, I wouldn't blame them for going the other way. You're having a bit of transition between them. Because I think no matter how much they kind of transition between the two this year, I don't think anyone's saying Gardner Minshew is like the future quarterback of this team for the long term. No, um, but so he, me, he is an excellent backup quarterback. I was quite annoyed that yeah. the Chiefs didn't get him, to be honest. And I think it makes sense to have that. Like, and you'll, we'll talk similarly, like Andy Dalton is backing up um, Bryce Young in Carolina. It makes sense to have a guy who can at least keep things steady when they come in. And, you know, you know, I don't know how many tips he'll get from Minshew, um, but I think at least he's a guy who doesn't seem to be a problem in the locker room. Um, you know, maybe for your PR team, he, he's a problem, but otherwise it's fine. And the defense, I think the defense was really disappointing last year, um, but they have the talent on defense to not be a bad system. They've kept continuity there with Gus Bradley. We'll see how long that lasts, but they've stuck with it this year. You know, you have guys like DeForest, Buckner, you have Shaquille Leonard there at linebacker if he can come back healthy. He's obviously last year was just a bit of an annoyance uh, with the injury issues. You know, you have guys like Kenny Moore who have been good in previous years. So, you know, I don't think they have the pieces to be like the best defense in the league, but to be like a solid, like at least like an average or above average defense, I think they have enough pieces there that they can get back to where they were a few years ago to some extent and not be kind of the disaster they were last year. So I think the Colts last year just went so badly. So many things went wrong for them um, that, you know, I think there's a kind of reversion to mean expectation that some of these pieces won't be, can't be as bad as they looked last year. And if you add in an exciting, you know, future orientated situation with the quarterback, then even if this team doesn't necessarily do the best this season, I don't think anyone will be complaining too hard. Um, so for me, they're a team that, you know, in, in what is a very shaky AFC um, South has a chance to be competitive just a matter of how close they can get to being get turning that into a number of wins but you know, I won't, I won't life it at least they're interesting now it definitely sounds like Molly disagrees with you there Sean's dog <laughs> does not feel strongly about the Colts which I suppose links up Sean because you really don't feel good about the Colts yeah yeah Molly's calling bullshit on, on, on Fizzle's analysis here uh, I just I struggle to see how this team improves from last I mean they were a four win team last year under a pretty decent veteran head coach with a, a pretty decent albeit fading quarterback uh okay the jonathan taylor injury situation wasn't he wasn't fantastic but i mean it's plus they had what good defensive pieces they have have now basically left you look at in gawkway gilmore etc these are the big names that have left i struggle to see how this team improves based on what they've done you've got a situation where you've gone from something that was stable but maybe not working as well as it you know, it did in previous years to just completely overhauling everything and starting again. You've got a, a rookie head coach uh, who's, you know, had, you know, a couple of interesting years as an OC in Philadelphia, but, you know, hasn't, you know, hasn't proven himself other than that. And you've got a, a incredibly raw, as if we are to accept the analytics, incredibly raw rookie QB who's going to need a lot of time to bet in. 
I mean, you basically, I mean, we like Gardner Minshew on this podcast. Uh, you know, we, we do have some time for him, but he is, he's not a starting QB level um, quarterback in the NFL. He's, he's, he's tiding you over for a few weeks. And it's that question of, you know, how do you do that transition? Those kind of situations where you're transitioning from a veteran to a rookie QB in, in say, week six or seven are always a bit messy. Um, basically, if the team does does well, he never the, the rookie never gets a look in. If the team has to start doing badly for him to get in, and then he's coming into a situation where the, the, the you know, the, the offense is in a bit of a mess. So I just struggle to see how you take out the pieces that were there last year, of what was not, at the end, a very good team, and replace them with, slightly worse pieces or people that are going to need a little bit of work or a little bit of time and experience to come together. I mean, I have no doubt that say if Steichen is given three or four years, he can turn into a good head coach. And if Richardson is, you know, the explosive talent he's supposed to be, then maybe in three or four years, he's going to look good. But this year I really struggle to see other than Jonathan Taylor, what they really have. I mean, I think their, their passing game is, as you said, it's Pittman plus a whole bunch of guys none of whom really stand out. And that's, I mean, you're looking at, you know, Alec Pierce or, or Mo Ali Cox as a standout. That seems like a bit of a, a bit of a stretch. I mean, there's questions about the, the O-line on the defensive side. I mean, they have Buckner, DeForest Buckner, and, you know, a couple of a decent talents here and there, but nothing, nothing stands out as spectacular. So I just, I struggle to see how a four-win team has this kind of off-season and then turns into you know, an eight or nine win team. To me, they're, 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 they end up a three win team based on, on, on how I've done the, the thing. I think, I mean, I, they're maybe not the worst team in the NFL, but I think at the moment they're not much, they're certainly a contender for the worst team in the AFC South, which mm. is not, it's not a good place to be given the, the level of talent that that division has. Yeah. It's, it's, the thing is, Sean, I think I, I'm, I'm closer to Ronan on this, but I'm a little bit below Ronan's uh, predictions. So I would say a brown paper bag full of, use toilet paper is better than Matt Ryan and Nick Foles, a quarterback. So I think this is a big upgrade. I think if they manage to get something out of Richardson, when you look at the rookie quarterbacks that have had successful first years, they're normally guys who can use their legs quite well because that's something that transitions immediately. So if they can get that going, they could get a few bits. They play in the AFC South and it's not a great division. So they'll have a couple of games there that are winnable. They're playing a bottom place or close to bottom place. Um, schedule so they'll have one or two winnable games but like yeah like i don't see them being a playoff contender or anything i think i have them yeah i have them winning seven games um but i think i think they'll figure something out down the stretch and they can take out a few teams later on with if they like i said if you get that running game paired with anthony richardson being able to move around on the ground and kind of double threatening i think you could be a six seven win team but yeah like it's nothing nothing amazing this is more of a start year because i do think the defense is going to be shaky to say the least. Uh, I I certainly don't think this team and this coaching team should be judged on what happens this year, but I just don't think we should be expecting... I think it's going to take a long time for this team to bet in and by then they'll have lost a lot of games. And with a rookie QB, you you lose more games than you win. So, yeah. I struggle to see it. That's all I'm saying. So, like I say, so Sean's got them 3-14. and I've got them 7-10. and And Ronan's got them... I got them 8-9. Probably, I think, a little above, like, probably the upper end of their expectation uh, and I think to me a lot of it's like I think unlike say like the Bears last year they still have talent on this team and you just have to I think you can't underestimate how much the bad vibes last year when it basically you saw Matt Ryan was broken and the Frank Reich regime was very obviously coming to an end and that's just a bad situation and we've seen teams collapse in a situation that just with better vibes and a better situation and more optimism for the future and that they've finally moved on to the next 
like we're no longer pining over Andrew Luck. We've actually made a decision to move on uh, properly. Um, that they could pick up a few more wins than you expect. But yeah, I think this is probably towards the upper end, eight and nine. And good job if it's bringing in the young listeners by doing vibes-based analysis. I think that's how they how they youth like it these days. <laughs> I don't really understand it. Uh, next up, we've got the Jags. I'll come to you, Sean, on these guys. But the ins and outs, uh, they've added Calvin Ridley. Well, I suppose they added them last year, but he was suspended, so he's back. Um, we've got Tank Rigsby, Dernis Johnston, Brent Strange, Parker Washington. On the offensive line, they've added Anthony Harris and Josh Wells and Cooper Hodges. Defensive side, Ventrell Miller, Tyler Lacey, Michael Dog. Uh, Yashir Adderley and Antonio Johnson. They've lost Joan Taylor, Cam Robinson, likely from a from a suspension for PEDs, and Blake Hunt from the offensive line. Skill position wise. Uh, Chris uh, Manhurt, Stan Arnold, Marvin Jones, Daryl Henderson all gone. And the defense, Shaq Griffin, Arden Key, Corey Peters and Dewan Smoot uh, or Dwayne Smooth all gone. So I suppose, yeah. This is a team, Sean, that came on very strong in the back end of last year, had a very exciting playoff win over the Chargers and uh, really started to kind of click a bit. They're adding Calvin Ridley, who was a fairly high-end talent uh, coming off a year off, so hopefully rested rather than tired. Um, Do we think it's all the way up for these boys or is it one of those Jags false dawn situations that we've been experiencing for the last 15 years? It's certainly a very strange place to be, I think, if you're a Jags fan, to be the fav- your favorite in your division by this much. I mean, they certainly are the only team in the AFC that can be reasonably say that they're in an upward trajectory um, at the moment. Um, and last season was, you know, a revelation. They, they took a little while to get going. I mean, I think they were, I'm trying to think now, that they, they were like 3-7 and seven or 4-7, and seven you know, at the midpoint of the season and it was looking like there was just another building year and then they finally clicked into gear and they surged and they, you know, they, they had that amazing um, playoff win and everyone's, you know, Trevor Lawrence is, is, is starting, we got started to see the Trevor Lawrence talent come out at the back end of last year. I mean, it just gives it the, the, the difference between the Urban Myers era and the Doug Patterson era is, is night and day just in terms of just the team believing in themselves and the players wanting to play for the coaches and the system actually working and everything clicking together and everyone going out of the field and believing they can win, which certainly I don't think was ever true during the Urban Meyer era. So this is now, they've, they've, had, their, they've had their breakthrough moment, the moment that this team maybe has been threatening to have for a couple of years. And now they got to build on it. Now they got to take that next step forward. And that's maybe where the questions start to, to creep in for this Jags team, because have the question I guess I would have about this team in terms of their you know the players they brought in versus the players they lost have they really taken a step forward is the you know the the inter, the, the 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 acquisition for all intents and purposes of Calvin Ridley albeit it was you know delayed debut adding him to this mix doesn't necessarily make them all that better does the fact that they lost you know a couple of good offensive tackle guys and have replaced them essentially with rookies is 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 that the best way to protect your your franchise quarterback um, so there are some questions still about this Jags team. Um, I, I do think interest, it's going to be very interesting to see Trevor Lawrence year three. We've seen the year one, the, the pains. We've seen the year two development, the back of the year two, him looking like he might be the talent. But a yearly really is year three when a legacy starts to be built. What type of quarterback you will be remembered by starts in year three? Now you, you know, the, the training wheels are off. Now you are expected to play as a starting NFL quarterback, there, there are no excuses anymore. Lawrence has to turn up and play week in, week out. And we've maybe only seen, of his two years, half a season where he's actually done that. 
um, so far. So that's one of the big questions as to whether Trevor Lawrence can perform. Uh, the Jags, I think they have quite a good, um, you know, skill position core, albeit they've overpaid for, for people like Christian Kirk. But you look at Travis Etienne had a very good season last year. Calvin Ridley, obviously, coming in as a potential WR1, maybe WR2 if, if Kirk steps up and still becomes the man. Evan Ingram, Zay Jones. There, there's a good core there. They're not, they're not superstars, but certainly the way that the the Jags' offensive system uh, was working last year um, made them look occasionally like they are superstars. So I think there's 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 good talent on that side. Maybe the offensive line is not as good as it should be, and that might be a problem when they get to the playoffs and have to start teams that start to exploit that. On the defensive side, they have a number of interesting players. I mean, Trayvon Walker, you know, the big big high draft. I think that was he number one. Uh, yep. uh, two years ago, you got players like Josh Allen, who's you know had explosive games, but maybe necessarily hasn't hasn't turned it on, uh, uh, and brilliantly. So I mean, there's the defense. Maybe it, it was up and down last year. It it had definitely improved as the season went on, and certainly you'd you you'd expect them to get better given that the the age profile of that defensive side but maybe they're not elite on that side and that's maybe what's going to cost them when they run into say the, the Chiefs or the Bengals or the Bills that the kind of that kind of caliber of AFC team in the playoffs but as it stands i think they have i think they have the best team in the AFC South i think they have the most coherent identity in the AFC South i think in Trevor Lawrence they have by far the best quarterback in the AFC South so i think the division is theirs to win, and I, I would really be surprised if they didn't win it, and if they didn't win comfortably. I mean, I think the way my predictions have worked out, they end up winning the division by like five gate clear games. It might not happen like that, but certainly I think that's that's they're going to be talking about you know two, at least two or three games clear at the end. That's going to be comfortable. So for me, I think the questions for the Jags aren't going to be regular season questions; they're going to be playoff questions. When this team gets into the first playoff game in what is a stacked AFC, um, they're going to probably going to have a home. Uh, wild card game most likely and then maybe in the divisional they start to run into the big teams then I think the problems are going to set in is this O-line strong enough to defend Lawrence has this defense got enough explosiveness in it to make the big plays in the big games does Trevor Lawrence has he going to make that step up from pretty good quarterback to properly elite I think those are the questions that Jags are going to be asked of, asked of the Jags this season I don't think we're going to know until deep into the playoffs if they get that far yeah, like it wasn't a, an off-season of big change for the Jaguars. They've mostly, as you said, stuck to what they had. And obviously Calvin Ridley is the big X factor. I know some people think he'll come back and look like Julio Jones. And some people are a little bit more skeptical that after several years off that he would you know, take time. At the very least, they're going to get back up to being the elite wide receiver one he looked like, uh, certainly for parts um, for the Falcons. I'm probably more on the downside for him. Um, but I think you saw last year that they don't need him to come in and be best you know, wide receiver in the in the world to make that offense go. Like that offense looked to be going quite well by the end of the season. Christian Kirk looked solid as the wide receiver one. He kind of made us look wrong, to be honest, in terms of laughing at them for picking up in free agency last year. But I think after all that money they spent over the last, especially last season, um, they've decided to kind of stick with what they do and build on what they have there. And I think in Doug Pedersen, obviously a Super Bowl winning coach with the Eagles back in the day, you know, he obviously has earned a degree of trust um, that they can hopefully build on the momentum. And I think, especially if they can start the season early, at, uh, well, um, then I think that could really help them kind of dominate this division and kind of have it over by, you know, uh, quite like by December, basically, um, early December. So I think, you know, I think the only big question mark, as you say, Sean, is the offensive line. Like, I think losing Cam Robinson and uh, losing, uh, like, a two 
possibly probably injury uh, sorry to suspension and then losing Jawan Taylor which I assume is something they didn't want to happen but they obviously uh, got a big offer uh, from the Chiefs and obviously Chiefs is a pretty good opportunity for Jawan Taylor um you know and having to replace it with a rookie in Anton Harrison and then Walker Little who's a pretty solid swing tackle type guy like decent PFF kind of rating you know hopefully unless that turns into a disaster and the Cam Robinson isn't even that good to be honest um they should be fine, I think. And, you know, if it's a Cam Robinson and Anton Harrison, by the time they get to mid-season, they'll probably survive. And I think, yeah, I think the more intriguing one, like, I think the offense, we kind of see where it is. And I'm fairly, I think we can be fairly comfortable that, you know, their floor is pretty safe. Um, and uh, But really, you know, that Calvin Ridley upside is maybe why you could take that next step up. And then the defense, I think it's a little bit disappointing considering yeah. all they've invested in it. But, you know, if, if Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker take that next step up, it could quickly become one of the most uh, scary defenses, certainly in the AFC South by far. Um, so there's lots of, all the trend lines are right, and there's a lot of, like, ceiling upside, but, you know, we, you know, we, we, it's hard with the Jaguars, a team which obviously perpetually seems to shoot itself in the foot or to help be on a road to nowhere. Um, I think one, if they can do it again this season, then I think next offseason will probably be hyping them up uh, much more confidently. Yeah, like my concern is obviously the defense here. I think the offense will be fine. I think they have pushed or improved at a lot of positions outside of the, the, the offensive line, but I also think young mobile quarterback, they've got good running backs there. They can work around it, particularly with more weapons. The defense will concern me because I think Sean's right. I think they're going to win their division. Uh, the problem is where do they go from there? And against more high-powered offenses, you need your defense to step up, but maybe that happens. Maybe they get a little bit better on that side of the ball maybe like we say the, the the young players step up and everything looks good but at the moment it doesn't look like a championship level um defense to me and that's where my concern would be uh i'm intrigued to see what the how the offense develops and how redley steps in i'm hoping that lawrence continues on the trajectory we saw at the tail end of last year um and with that in mind i have them winning 11 games 11 and 6 that's good enough for the four seed uh but unfortunately they come up against uh i think it's the bills i've been coming up against in the wild card and uh they get knocked out at that stage for me yeah 10 and 7 four seed and get knocked out in the wild card too i think you know if they were in any other afc division they'd probably be a wild card type team to be honest but uh yeah in the afc side they're probably uh comfortably the favorite right now yeah i have them 11 and 6 which is gets them the division and the three seed and then i think they go i have them I think it's the Dolphins I have them losing to in the wild card. But mm. yeah, that's, that's my problem is that they, they're AFC South good, but they may not be AFC good. <laughs> they may not be down. AFC general good. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, some growth and some upside there as well. Uh, next up, the Texans. Uh, I'll have a chat about these. So they added D'Amico Ryan's at head coach, Bobby Slowick at offensive coordinator, and quarterback CJ Stroud, the rookie, on the offensive side. And bear with me, the Texans have gone through a lot of players. They've added Robert Woods, John Mechie, Noah Brown, Tank Dell, Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary, Mike Boone, Shaq Mason, Juice Scruggs, uh, Andrew Beckin on the defensive side, Will Anderson, Sheldon Rankins, Hassan Ridgeway, uh, Chase Winovich, Dylan Horton, Denzel Perryman, Corey Littleton, Henry Tototo, uh, Jimmy Ward, and Shaq Griffin. Uh, they've lost Brandon Cooks, Philip Dorsett, Chris Moore, Royce Freeman, Rex Burkhead, and Kyle Allen. Uh, Jordan Atkins, OJ Howard, Justin McRae, Justin Britt, and AJ McCann from the offensive side and on the defensive side. Uh, they've lost Rasheen Green, Mario Addison, Tremont Smith, Jonathan Owens, uh, Jolene Reeves, Mabin, Kevin Pear, Louis, and Ogbo uh Okor and quo uh yeah this is a team that is churning <laughs> churning as much well, as they been, can 
They've been churning for multiple years, both uh, in terms of roster and coach, it feels like. This time it seems like maybe next off-season it won't be the longest entry in our uh, off-season preview. Hopefully, hopefully. Fingers crossed now. So D'Amico Ryans comes in, uh, hopefully to stabilise the ship. Uh, Obviously comes in with the background from uh, his time with the uh, 49ers on the defensive side of the ball they've they've you know you've seen how good they've been and we've seen some success particularly if we look at the likes of the jets although the concern would be that that took a little bit of time to bet in uh will they be able to stabilize this thing well the, i suppose the start of the question is what the stable look like for the texans really uh i think they are not expecting amazing things this year i think they know this is going to be a developmental thing um so i think if they can push the push towards 500 would be the target i think for them and i'm not sure if they're going to quite reach it there um so they've got cj stride the rookie quarterback coming in their offensive line to protect him is so so uh if we say like they've got laramie tunsil who is great on his left hand side but beyond that you know there's a scrap for the center position titus howard's on his other side and then he's got kenyon green and shaq mason as his guards who are grand the hope would be it's it's probably their best position, but that's not saying much. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I will, I will say, I will say that you're a bit more down on some of the bits than I am. Um, I think Damian Pierce showed himself to be excellent last year, and hopefully will be able to step up. I'm a bit confused by the signing of Devin Singletary. The thing that was causing an issue with Damian Pierce, in particular last year, was he wasn't getting the use of the play in the past game as much uh, and some said it was down to his blocking so that would be a concern particularly for a rookie quarterback if he's in there the weapons outside are uh, robert woods who's okay i suppose nico collins who actually was pretty good in the bits he played last year but yeah like we'll have to see if he can do it and then you've got like john menchie tank dell dalton schultz like it's not exactly a murderer's row of weapons uh but i will be intrigued to see what they can get going if they can just do kind of establish the run game run off their left side a good bit and just kind of don't try and put too much on stroud to begin that might be might be the solution to it but it's going to be it's going to be tough going i think um that said i don't think it's the worst group in the league for him to be sitting in with and i think i would have hopes that the coaching staff will be able to kind of develop something out of there that's workable for him like if you're if you're used to padding defenses and you're used to working with the 49ers you've seen having to work with less experienced quarterbacks bringing in rookies and so on and i believe there's some uh, some experience with slowick on that as well if you look at the defensive side of the ball this is where i get quite worried uh they've got will addison the rookie coming in there to pair like with i don't know chase winovich people like that to try and get some pass rush going like when i think of the texans beforehand i always used to think about them as you know, you know, JJ Watt, you know, what's your man, Roy Rage, the the um the the bully from every nineties high school movie he used to play linebacker for them. Like they used to have excellent defenses and that was kind of their calling card. You'd hope Ryan's has a plan for trying to get back towards that. There is a lot of new blood coming in on that side of the ball for them but it does look a little bit hodgepodge and if you think about how poor they were on that side of the ball last year, I would be worried about whether or not they can get that turned around again i think about the jets and i think about it taking two two and a half years to bet in that defense and then seeing the results from it i'm not sure we're going to get that this year but like i said that said they're bringing in an influx of new blood on that side they've got a defensive-minded head coach like 
that should be an element that should be able to build. They've invested capital in it by taking Will Anderson. So you'd hope that it's a build, not that you'll see it this year, but a build towards next year and the year afterwards. Um, Yeah, like the Texans overall, it's refreshing to not be in a spot where you're almost certain that your head coach is gone at the end of this year and you don't know what's going to happen at other positions. It's exciting to see what you might have in CJ Stroud. I think there's limitations to what you're going to be able to see out of him this year with the surrounding cast, but I also don't think it's all doom and gloom. Like I don't think any of us have them quite at the level of uh, Sean's interpretation of the Colts, we'll say, um, but neither do any of us have a, have them as, po- as, 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 as positive as uh, Ronan's interpretation of the Colts. Um, so is there anything you guys want to add to that? I, I mean, I think they are better than the Colts, and I think they are better than they have been for a few years. I, I do, I mean, this constant churning, this constant rebuild, is just, it's almost become the, Titan, the Texans' identity at this point, and you can never really tell what you're going to get. Uh, and what you're not. I mean, additions like people like Robert Woods, he, he looks good, but I mean, how does he fit into the system? How does it all work around him? I, I'm intrigued by CJ Stroud. I think, in you know, comparing to someone like Anthony Richardson, I think he's more ready to go week one if needs be. Uh, and I think he's got the pieces around him that, that will help him through whatever transition. Um, I'm excited by D'Amico Ryans as, as, a, as a defensive kind of head coach and what he can do. I'll, I agree that the pieces he doesn't have are there quite yet, but I, I'm more up on this team. Like last year, last two years, maybe they've just been a complete disaster area. And now you can sort of see the, the plan starting to come into place. They now maybe have their franchise quarterback. They now maybe have their long-term head coach. They now maybe have some of the pieces that they can fit around this going forward. So I, I think they're maybe building something here. Um, they may potentially be, if the Titans have a really bad year, which it looks like they, they may be planning to have, uh, they could be the second best team in the AFC South. Now, that's not saying much, but I mean, you know, it's it's an exciting place to be if you're a Houston Texans fan, I suppose. Um, I, I mean, they're still not going to be good, especially in an AFC that's going to eat them alive. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly see them picking up a number of wins and I certainly see the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel for this Texans team. I can see how this team could potentially be good in, say, three years' time and how they're maybe building towards that in a way that just was not at all clear at the last two years in particular. Yeah, like I think the offense, there's at least the semblance of a plan there. They have a pretty solid offensive line. Obviously, Larry Tudsell is a franchise left tackle. Titus Howard's been solid at... Uh, right tackle over the years. Shaq Mason's an experienced guard. Uh, and Kenyon Green seemed pretty solid for them as well. So it's just a centre position where really they, they have big question marks. So, you know, you have a solid defensive line. you got a Damian Pierce, Devin Singletary, double punch at running back. So you should be, in theory, able to run the ball okay and not have to rely on the pass game, which, you know, yeah, it's pretty much a mess. Like, maybe Robert Woods can have a, you know, an Indian summer type situation, but he, he can't look past the last time I saw him. The, on the other hand, the defense is obviously where D'Amico Ryans has been brought in. He's obviously a legend in Houston after playing linebacker for them back in the day. Um, and he's obviously got that reputation from San Francisco of taking that defense to the next level after Robert Sala left. So he's obviously a very talented guy with a great understanding of the defense, but he's pretty much got a grab bag group of guys here. Obviously you got Will Anderson from the first round who they traded up and paid a lot to trade up to get him. Obviously a guy that 
that you know uh, it was really highly touted as a defensive end prospect can he just be the inspiration to kind of take this grab back defense and build on the guys like Derek Stingley who depicted high last year um Jalen Peacher who looked good at safety for them last year these young guys and then mix in those veterans like Rankins and Ward and kind of create that alchemy so there's a, definitely a world in which the Houston Texans could well outperformed their expectations but given the the obvious holes in their roster at wide receiver at pass rusher outside will anderson and many other question marks around the rest of their kind of defensive uh, uh like the uh, roster as well they could each just easily have like a, a bad season but i think because Demico ryan's is a legend and a guy who's obviously young and they're building towards something in the future now even if it's a bad year people will be okay with it and they'll move on and it'll be fine. Um, but there's definitely the, I think there's the, at least the hope that this could actually be a fun year and they actually start winning games and be interesting again. Um, so for me, I'm relatively positive on them either way. Uh, but, you know, uh, given how many changes they made and, you know, it, like the reason we had to list so many names is because we don't really know who's going to start in half these positions. <laughs> it, it's really hard to know exactly what will turn up, but it doesn't really matter per se, um, unless they get the playoffs and everyone gets really excited at that point. But outside that, like probably fringe possibility, it's 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 a learning year and a building year, and we'll see where they are in a season or two from now. Speaking of that, then Roland, how many wins are you giving them? Yeah, I gave them seven wins, uh, so you know, pretty solid season. But I, I may have been stealing wins from the last team uh, to kind of make up the numbers for the uh, tech. <laughs> yeah, I have them six and ten. Uh, like nothing, nothing spectacular, but that they start to find a few bits and they're a bit more competitive towards the back end. And they kind of know where they need to build in the next draft. I have them five and twelve, which is a win and a half better than last year, and I think that's kind of the, the slow and steady progress. They might, they might sneak ahead of the Titans to the second spot in the AFC South, but uh, either way they're they're not gonna yeah, they're not gonna win more than seven games, that's for sure. Okay. No. Sean's Sean's putting it down there. They're definitely not winning more than seven games. Uh <laughs> Interesting. Well, we'll have to save that now for uh, any of the aggrieved. Yeah, when they go, yeah, fifteen and two. Or whatever, <laughs> or uh, no one saw it coming. Uh, okay. Uh, finally, we'll move on to the Titans. I'll come to Ronan on these guys. They're ins and outs. They've added uh, Will Levis, Tim Kelly, Chris Moore, Tajay Spears, Josh Wiley, uh, Colton Dowell on the offensive line. Andrew Dillard, Peter Sharonsky, Daniel Brunskill, uh, Jason Duncan, and Trevin Wesco. And on the defensive side, Arden Key, Alex Al Shair. Ben Neiman, uh, Luke Guilford, and Sean Murphy Bunting. They've lost Robert Woods, Chris Conley, Austin Hooper, Jeff Swain, Dontrell Hilliard, and Josh Dobbs, uh, Taylor Dewan, Nate Davis, Ben Jones, Dennis Daly, and LaRaven Clark from the offensive line on the defensive side, Bud Dupree, Demarcus Walker, Kevin Strong, David Long, Dylan Cole, Tariel Basham, Zach Cunningham, and Lonnie Johnson. Um, this is a team, Ronan, that has basically taken the concept of let's just run it back and they've run it back year after year after year with let's say diminishing returns of late they bring in will leave us to compete here uh we don't know at the point of us recording this will Tannehill start will it be a competition what's the what's the story here like do you expect this to look remarkably different in approach to previous Titans teams or do we think they're going to just try and squeeze another year out of the the old blueprint I think they will try to squeeze out the old blueprint and see if it works but I am not particularly hopeful that it will work and you know if that doesn't work and they're losing a bunch of games early in the season then I'd imagine you know halfway through the season you will probably see Will Levis come in and probably see a more 
uh, aggressive play style to suit his uh, strengths and maybe more aggression in terms of the pass game to kind of see, you know, a kind of baptism of fire thing. Like, the problem with this team, it's in a super position of, like, rebuild and competitor. It kind of feels like, say, those later Dan Quinn Atlanta Falcons team where, you know, they had a couple of good years and they looked like they were competitive. Um, and obviously, you know, they, they, they were number one seed only a couple of seasons ago. But, you know, it, it does, it feels like that was the peak. You had your chance. And, you know, you fail to convert, like, nine sacks or whatever sacks, and you fail to beat Joe Burrow. And now it's just been downhill. And last year was obviously the start of that, uh, when they traded away A.J. Brown, and the offense became very, very stale. Uh, and Derek Henry had a foot injury and was just a little bit slower, a little bit less effective. And the whole thing just kind of crumbled apart. And just, like, the biggest, like, the, you know, I think this team, you know, if I'm, like, giving an optimism bump, to the Texans and the Colts, I'm giving a pessimism like down, like you know, shunt to this team because even I, I like I like I think we I could definitely see this team winning like seven, eight, even maybe even nine games, but I don't want to see them win that many games because <laughs> they're going to be if they do it, they'll do it in the least enjoyable, most safe, boring way possible. So this feels like a team where even if they succeed. In the long term, they will lose. And I think they could do that together. And I think that chance of winning more games is possible because they have, I mean, Mike Vrabel, a very good head coach, a guy who I don't think will ever have a season where he doesn't think he can build something that can win. But he's willing to win whatever that looks like. He's not an esteet of the game, uh, to say the least. So, you know, early in the offseason, it kind of felt like maybe they were going to do a full rebuild. Trade away Tannehill, trade away Henry, you know, just and, and see what they did. And then as the offseason went on, they ended up signing Andre Dillard, which was a little bit of a strange pick because he hasn't really performed for Philadelphia. Uh, he got like beaten out of the first round by two other guys. Uh, and then they draft Peter Skronsky in the first round and they bring in Daniel Brunskill on a pretty, you know, big enough contract from San Francisco. And I kind of felt, okay, are, are you rebuilding or what are you doing? So it just kind of feels like. You know, like in the NFL, it is probably accurate to say that there's never really a rebuilding. It's not like, say, baseball, where you can build a five-year thing. Like, every season is really its own thing. But when you look at the roster, there's just so many holes. You're kind of going, how do you expect it to be a genuine contender? Maybe you can sneak into the playoffs because you're in the AFC South. And that, that even that feels like a huge stretch. But you're not going anywhere beyond this. This is a distinctly and obviously worse team than the team that got beaten in the playoffs two seasons ago that had the number one seed, especially on the offense. Like, Ryan Tannehill definitely took a step back, albeit behind a really bad offensive line. So if the offensive line people come in, like Dillard and Skronsky, and they improve the offensive line, maybe you see um, the re-emergence of, like, the better Tannehill. But that's still, like, you know top maybe the 12th best quarterback in the league not something to build your thing they're still stuck in the post AJ Brown era like is Traylon Burke's going to make that like second year push it didn't really look like it last season he just doesn't look as good as AJ Brown and have the same explosiveness he looked like a poor version of AJ Brown at his best and that's not really good and you know Westbrook Akine is your next guy Kyle Phillips uh, like a, a late round guy that some people like and uh, like you know it kind of feels like the best receiver is quite right now is like uh, Chico Cuonco their tight end who actually looked explosive last season towards the end of the year. That's not usually a good sign, unless it's like Travis Kelsey uh, on the Chiefs and you have Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, it, it, like the offense just feels stale and also just ineffective. It's, it's, its ceiling is so low and also boring that I'm just, I don't want to watch this team. I don't want to think about this team. And their defense, I don't think their defense will be bad. Like they have Justin Simmons, sorry, they have Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons, they have Kevin Byard, they have veteran talent there that they can do stuff there. But it's also, you know, 
there's only so much a defense can do to keep you relevant, um, which they probably have learned from that game against the Belgians a few years ago. And so altogether, you know, they made that choice to move on um, at offensive coordinator bringing Tim Kelly. So maybe I'll be proven wrong, but all the elements here feel like a team that's reached the end of its road, um, that they're trying a few things here. But I think if they want to genuinely move on to the next level of the Titans franchise, and they have Mike Rabel, so I think he has the, the room and, and the goodwill that he could build a second version of this team. It doesn't feel like this version of the team is going to be that that transition. It just feels like, uh, you know, the, the kind of awkward middle stage uh, that they're going to have to move beyond. Yeah. And like, look, yeah. uh, best case scenario, they have Will Levis. He comes in, he looks good, and they win a few games at the end of the season. But even that, I, I would be pretty surprised if it happened. Yeah, this just feels like a team without an identity to me. I mean, they obviously... The difference between this team two years ago and now is, is just mind-boggling how much they've declined. And it's... You really struggle to see how this offense is supposed to work. So obviously, the Derrick Henry thing, he's, he's past his prime and he's fading. And now suddenly you realize, it's like they've looked around and went, oh my God, now we have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, who was fine as a, like a secondary option behind the best running back in the league. But now it's like, you can't, you can't put a playoff caliber team on the shoulders of, of Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. It just doesn't work. So... Are they transitioning towards something else? But then the question is, what are they transitioning to? Last year, they, they brought in Malik Willis, and it seems like they've already given up on him because now they've gone for, for Will Levis himself, who was obviously, I mean, a guy who was supposed to go in the first round and ended up not being picked up by anybody. So if that's what they're building themselves around, I, I really struggle to see how it's going to work on the offensive side. Uh, and as you say, the, the receiving core doesn't really seem like it's up to much these days either. There's, the, obviously, this transition in the offensive line is going to be a big part of what kind of success they have going forward. Beyond that, you kind of have to rely on Mike Vabel is a good coach, therefore he'll get the best of the pieces he has available to him, which is fine, I guess, and it, and it may very well be enough to get them to scrape to close to 500 or whatever because it's a weak division and Vrabel seems to have a little, he seems to be the only person who's learned anything from Bill Belichick in terms of, you know, the, you want to call the Belichick coaching tree slash players who are now coaches tree. He seems to be the only one who's actually good. Um, so there is something there, you know, defensive seems to be pretty solid and, and seems to be able to perform above its, its talent level at times, but... Yeah, it's it's difficult to get inspired about this. It's difficult to even compare it to the Texans. The Texans you go, okay, this is a rebuilding year, but here's the plan, right? You build around Stroud, you, you bring in the pieces, you make this guy work, and in three years you can see how it would work. The Titans, I'm like, this team is going to be an entirely different team in three years' time because presumably they're at some point going to get bored of Will Levis and maybe try to move on to another quarterback and then you to rebuild it all again, and at some point you have to you know, cycle through the defense and all this kind of stuff. So it's just like... Yeah, very, when your when your main selling point is the fact that you're you've got a really a good head coach and that's kind of it. As a Pats fan, I could say that's a very sad place to be, uh, and I struggle to see the Titans doing much of anything this year, uh, unless Will Levis suddenly everyone missed the boat on him and he turns out to be the, the god of quarterbacking, which I doubt. Yeah, like to be honest, this is how I've been feeling about this team for a while <laughs> I think I've been not vocal about that I don't know why they keep trying to run this back I don't know why they think this is a fine way to run in this season and look egg on my face if if they really figure it out but like I don't think the quarterback is good enough or has been good enough for the last year or two and I think they just were allowed to coast because Derrick Henry was doing Derrick Henry things but even he has slowed down the line is worse the defense isn't fantastic I just yeah I 
I've I've had a couple of years of not wanting to watch this team, and I'm just happy that I feel this year they're actually going to be bad enough that I won't have to. That like they'll just be irrelevant games that will occasionally mention just for the sake of you know angry Titans fans out there. But like, there's no vision here. There's no concept of the doing. Maybe maybe Tim Kelly has an idea for Will Levis, and that's where they're going. I don't know, but this team, I would feel more excited about the trajectory of this team if they manage to offload Tannehill and Derrick Henry before the start of the season. A quarterback goes down to injury and they go, okay, do you know what? We'll roll the dice with our young fellow and we'll trade him away. A contender decides they want to put a final cherry on top and they decide to take the last year or so of of Henry and, and go for it. And then they've got some draft capital. They're finding out what they've got in their current lot and they know where they're going. But for now, this is treading water whenever they're already, you know, drowning. I just, just don't understand it. Um, I've got them winning four games. I think they are going to be shocking this year. I have them at five wins, which would be the worst in the AFC. But like, I, they could definitely outperform this, but not in any way that I particularly care for. Yeah, and I, I am the most optimistic. I have them at six wins, which interestingly puts the the Titans, Texans, Colts as the fourteenth, fifteenth, and sixteenth <laughs> in the AFC uh, by by my metric. So uh, yeah, really strong division you've got there, guys. Definitely. Yeah, it's funny actually. Just when you're saying our previous analysis about the. You know, the Jags would be the best team in the AFC South, but then they'd kind of not like that just means they're the best of their division and they'll lose it to the better teams in the AFC. And like, that, like even the most successful seasons of the Titans, that was it. Like they were getting out of it, yeah, maybe yeah. winning a game, but then like not being able to keep up with the other teams. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a structural problem with all the weak teams being there that like they're not getting as tested or something, but yeah, just it's, it's, yeah. It doesn't look to be changing awfully quickly, uh, particularly not for the Titans anyway. So on that lovely positive note, that will wrap up the AFC South for us. Um, yeah, the the big plus is you're always in with a with a puncher's chance of winning it as <laughs> a <the> division. <laughs> um, any cracker yourselves? Had any plans for the weekend? Uh, well, this weekend is my uh, sister's wedding, um, so we're going up to Athlone. Although it's it actually technically, I think it's a wedding celebration. I don't think there's actually like a ceremony or anything. It's one of these modern things. Okay, just yes. Have a barbecue and celebrate. It's cool. Very um, nice. So yeah, that'll be a fun weekend thing to do. Uh, and then after that, get back to the, the moving the moving business. The preparation for the big move. Yeah, mm. very fun. How yourself, Ronan? Uh, nothing too exciting. As I said, I'm pretty much focused in on work. So the weekends are mostly just uh, relaxing outside of that. Yeah, very good. No, I've uh, I've got the house to myself with the doggy for the weekend, so I'm going to see about. Um, I I might try out. I've I've got a copy of Disco Elysium to try out that I've uh, had several people recommend to me as a game, so I'm going to give that one a shot. And I have to in my very cool. Shane life. talked you into it as well, did he? Shane was talking about it as well, and another friend also mentioned it to me. So I was like, oh, that's three people. I might as well just uh, give it a shot. Um, and then I have to do a little bit of writing for uh, for Dungeons and Dragons because I have an upcoming game of that uh, next week as well. But yeah, I suppose that wraps us up for now. Next one is going to be the AFC West, uh, the supposedly last year going to be the best division in the <laughs> AFC, and very much was not. So I wonder what we're going to think it's going to be like this year. Um, but I suppose for now, uh, that'll wrap us up. So it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan, hi, bye from Sean. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.